All right, friends, this was all for today. We had a great conversation with Mr. Poulter. His activism and dedication to his students has inspired me, and I hope it has inspired you. Check out our details section to learn more about the photo project, and don't forget to share and subscribe. Hasta la próxima. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much. We are honored to have you on the show with us today. Welcome to Mexican. This is our podcast. Please introduce yourself to us. Tell us who you are, your family, your job. Okay. My name is Mark Poulter. Uh, I live in West Chicago and teach here. I'm an ESL teacher at the high school. Um, I live directly across the street from where I teach, so I can see my house from my classroom windows. Um, <laughs> I live with my wife, who is originally from Brazil, and two daughters, one that was adopted from Peru. So we're kind of an international family. Awesome. That's amazing. You are originally from Philadelphia, and you lived in Mexico for a few years. Um, can you tell us more about your time in, in Mexico? Where did you go? What did you do there? Yeah, so um, I, am, like you said, I'm originally from Philadelphia. I came out to the um, to the Chicagoland area to go to college. Um, went to Wheaton College in Wheaton. Um, and a professor of mine started a program. He was talking about um, working with street kids in Mexico and decided that he was going to start a, an organization that would work with, with those kids. And I was a senior, it was my senior year, I was taking numerous classes with the professor. And every time he talked about it, my heart would just start beating faster and harder. And I was like, this is what I want to do. Yeah. Um, so two weeks after I graduated, I went to Mexico and moved to Fresnillo, Zacatecas. Mm -hmm. And uh, spent a year there working with um, kids who were um, living Um, they weren't living on the streets, but they, you know, were living in poverty mm -hmm. um, in a in a colonia that did not have electricity, you know, dirt floors, all of that. And so I spent a year there. And then the next year I moved to Mexico City and I did actually get to work with street kids. And I tell you, it was life changing. It it was one of those things where, like I said, my heart would just beat faster every time I would get out there on the streets. Awesome. Um I feel like um, I just learned as much from their lives as, as they maybe had learned from me. And then um, due to uh, the program, just it, it was really, really hard work and the program kind of fell apart in, in Mexico City. So I moved back to Zacatecas and lived there for two more years with the, with the program there. Okay. So. And is this the program that it's called Organization Christ for Children International? Correct. It was CFCI, Christ for Children International. Okay. Um, and um, it, it never grew really big. Um, they had uh, probably just one or two teams, mostly in Fresnillo. Mm -hmm. um, and... So I was there for the first four years as it kind of took off and... Um, 
yeah, it was, we did, we had a, a feeding program for kids. We did some like Bible teaching, stuff like that. We worked with the local church. Okay. That's amazing. I am always very interested in listening to people who do like missionary work, um, you know, and have this like passion to like leaving everything behind and, and moving to another place in another country to serve. And um, that is so admirable and amazing and so many levels. And I am just so happy that people, you know, are still doing it. You know, maybe not always the same organizations, but people still go out there to, to Mexico where I'm from and um, have this desire to help those that are that need it the most. So that, that's super awesome. It sounds like you had a great time. Yeah, it was very much like I would say um, a calling. Like I said, I have a daughter from Peru mm -hmm. and, you know, we adopted her and uh, people frequently are like, oh, that's so amazing that yeah. you did that. And uh, my wife and I are like, well, that's what our life was supposed to look like. Yeah. Like that's what we were called to. So that's what we did. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, other people are called to other things and that's what they do. Yeah. But um, and that's that was that was Mexico for me. You know, those four years I. Um, I would love to get back down there. I mean, the kids that I worked with who are in their teens are now um, like middle age, <laughs> which is crazy because they were just a few years younger than me. Yeah, because um, you were so young. I mean, just I was out of young, high school, I, yeah. 20, 21 to, mm -hmm. you know, 22 to 26. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it, I would love to get back down there, but I, you know, I don't see it happening anytime soon, unfortunately. Yeah, but you do talk about it with so much like love and and just like you know, the, um, like remembering and having those memories. Thinking uh, something that you you mentioned was that your your wife called it a transition time yeah. for you that it's like before Mexico and then after. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, that w that's always a thing. It's like now, did that happen before Mexico or after Mexico? Because it was like, um, it was definitely a time of of me growing and changing. Yeah. Um, I I put together a small booklet of stories from my students here at the high school, mm -hmm. and um, one of the things that I said about it was, after Mexico, my life felt a lot less generic suburban. <laughs> Okay. Like, I just, you know, it just, it, it changed my way of thinking, obviously, mm -hmm. yeah. four years in another country will do that to you. And so, um, yeah, so my wife will be like, oh, you always say before Mexico or after Mexico, you're now like <laughs> 25 years out from Mexico, but it still was so, um, yeah. such a transition period mm -hmm. for me. It, it changed the way I think. For sure. And you are an ESL teacher, you're an educator and an advocate for youth, uh, and you have worked for many years finding new opportunities for students to experience and be a part of something. Uh, tell us about your time here, because we are so lucky to have you here in West Chicago, um, at, at West Chicago Community High School as a teacher, and the things that you have been a part of, have created, have been involved with, with your students. Um, like starting with, I know you talked about uh, Open Gym and maybe Olas. Yeah. Um, so yeah, can you, talk, can you talk a little bit about those things? Yeah, so um, the Open Gym came out of, I started, I, after I left Mexico, I came back here, got a graduate degree. 
and knew that I would be back in Latin America somewhere. I wasn't sure if it would be Mexico or you know another part of Latin America, but I, I knew I wasn't going to be in the United States for as long as I've been here. <laughs> and uh, so um, I came, I found out I didn't even really know much about the Wheaton area. When you're a student at Wheaton College, you just kind of stick to that college mm -hmm. and you don't move out. And so I didn't know much about the area. And um, so I had found, I had heard that, um, that there were a lot of um, Spanish speakers at West Chicago High School and I needed to make some money. So I started substitute teaching here mm -hmm. at the school and started to get to know some of the, the kids through that and um, realized that a lot of the students just, they didn't have anything, um, anything that was happening in their lives. They didn't have any clubs they were involved in. They weren't like even on the, on the teams at the school or anything like that. And so I was like, we need to create something for these kids. And so um, I connected with um, an organization and we um, started an open gym um, there was a church at the in the area that had a big gym, and we started an open gym. And um, it was funny. I got a bunch of Wheaton College students to come with me, and um, I think I had seven students or eight students the first night, and I had one West Chicago student. So I had like the college volunteers, yeah. but I only had one student, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, this might not work." <laughs> and um, and so the next week he invited some of his friends. So we all just played soccer together, like, you know, the one high school student and all these mm -hmm. volunteers. And the next week we had something. I mean, I feel like it, it grew exponentially. So it went from like one to seven to 49. Wow. And then I had between 50 and 100 kids wow. um, every week uh, coming to this gym. And, uh, you know, I just I, I gave like a little five minute talk at the beginning. Hey, if you guys need anything, we are here for you let's play soccer, you yeah. know? Um, and so that's kind of how I got started. And then um, the school needed, uh, they had kind of an emergency situation where they needed a teacher to come in and teach full time at the end of the school year. Mm -hmm. And so they asked me to do it. And I said, I have no idea how to teach. Um, but I went in and um, finished up that school year. It was it's a crazy year, um, and I'm still in touch with some of those kids. Wow! Um, so, um, I'm actually one of them. Uh, we are compadres. His his daughter was born, and he asked me to be the the, the padrino. padrino. So, uh, yeah, that was that was kind of an honor. That is awesome. Sure. That is one of those stories you hear. You're just like, this is the the amazing stuff that you've done. You know the. They ask you such an honor to be someone's padrino, and it really, really that's is. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she actually, this is gonna once again show my age. She just graduated from high school last year. Oh so, wow! Yeah, so that was my first second gen. Yeah, student. Amazing, and you know, I I also work in I work with District Thirty Three, and uh, I work in education. I'm not a teacher, but I work in education, and um, it's such a cool thing to see the generations of our students you know pass by come back and then you know become our co-workers and that's happened to me a few times in the past couple of years and it's a little shocking and yeah <laughs> a little sad <laughs> you know like oh my gosh I'm getting old yeah. but uh it's also super exciting and rewarding so I I'm sure like you have so you've touched so many lives of so many kids throughout this this time and um 
you you talk very passionately about your role in the life in the life of your students, not just as a teacher, but as a role model, as an adult. And um, your job is so um, different than other teachers because it allows you to bring together a multitude of cultures, help students man maintain their culture, explore all their cultures, and embrace a new culture when they first come here. So you use a percentage uh, analogy that I really, really liked and would like for you to share with our listeners about uh, cross-culture and what happens with young immigrants. Can you explain that, please? Yeah, so <laughs> when I was at Wheaton, I had a, a class that was on cross-cultural uh, work, and I had a professor. He was, he was so great. He was just a, a great guy. And um, he talked about working cross-culturally, and he said um, one of the things that I, I learned from him was um, go, the whole the whole thing of going through culture shock and all of mm -hmm. that stuff. And um, when I was when I was down in Mexico and hitting that culture shock, um, I was able to actually think back and be like, okay, this is culture shock. This is normal. Whereas I don't think most people get that. But this yeah. professor said, um, when you go to another country and you live in another country and you actually acculturate you lose part of who you originally were. Mm -hmm. um, you can't hold on to it all because the other culture is going to affect you. Yeah. And so he said, so think of it as being like, you know, you're 100% American. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, and you lose, let's say, 25% of that. Um, he goes, you, you join another culture and you acculturate and you get a lot of that culture, but you'll never get 100% of that culture, mm -hmm. right? I, I I came back from Mexico and people were like, oh, you're Mexican. And I'm like, I, I, and I'm not, because there are things that I just, there's still things about it that I don't get. Like mm -hmm. my, my brain, I can't completely mm -hmm. comprehend, right? Um, but um, he says, you will gain, let's say 75%. And so now instead of just being 100%, you know, you're, you you have 150% of culture, yeah, which is really really cool, and I feel like that's so true. Mm -hmm. I mean, I going to Brazil is another example. My wife being from Brazil, I I definitely am not Brazilian. I would say I have more Mexican culture in me than Brazil, <laughs> but I can go to Brazil mm -hmm. and I can spend time with her family and feel very very comfortable with them, and they feel very very comfortable with me, mm -hmm. um, and I just you know, botch the Portuguese all the time with mostly Spanish, but we can communicate. And, um, and so uh, that's what I think it's really, really like to acculturate, yeah. you know, it's it's getting, uh, get, gaining some of that other culture and being able to slip in and out of cultures mm -hmm. without being uncomfortable. I could go back to Fresnillo, I could go back to um, Patria de la Libertad mm -hmm. and go into one of those houses that are now like, you know, the parents who were the children yeah. and sit down in a house there and and eat with them and, and enjoy my time with them without feeling the slightest bit of discomfort. Yeah. You have that unique experience that you can relate to students who are brand new, you know, are coming here, um, trying to find their place. And you have that ability to relate because you've had the experience. Um, and the culture shock happened to you, but you also understand the value of that and, you know, having all those cultures put together and now have like a hybrid and it's a new culture. So um, 
that is that is super awesome uh, for the students that get to work with you. Uh, it's amazing. And as someone who works in education, I understand the importance of relationships in the schools and the importance of maintaining a connection with your students. Um, students who come from other countries can, you know, quickly uh, motivate themselves to stay in the classroom. Uh, but sometimes if they don't find those connections, they can very fast mm -hmm. give up or yes. not try. So what do you do in your role as, a ES as an ESL teacher to keep your students motivated? So first of all, um, just thinking about the way you said I'm able to relate to them, and in some ways I, of course, am, you know, having um, moved between the cultures. The one thing that I would say is is really, really different for me than mm -hmm. it for them is that um, I had graduated from college, mm -hmm. and as a young adult, I chose yeah. to go to, to Mexico. Mm -hmm. And I always knew that if it didn't work out or whatever, I'd just come back. Yeah. Um, and as high school students, I often say, like, small children, their home is their family. Yes. So you bring, like, a five-year-old, a seven-year-old, a nine-year-old over, and, of course, there's going to be some loss, but their closest relationships are mom and dad mm -hmm. um, and siblings. Um, and then for a young adult like myself, it was a choice I made. Mm -hmm. um, for the teens, this is where they're, you know, just branching out. Um, they're closest relationships are frequently um, friends or girlfriend, boyfriend, and they're told that they're moving. Um, and that's, so that's, that's one way that I, I can't relate to them, mm -hmm. but um, my heart goes out to them yeah. because um, they're kind of stuck in what I call that no man's land mm -hmm. of between choosing to leave and taking your family with you, your home with you, mm -hmm. they're kind of like, this is, this is a really, really hard place for them to be. Um, so um, I guess that's one thing I would say is that I, I recognize that for them, yeah. um, which is so important it for is. them to know that somebody, somebody recognizes that what they are doing is extremely difficult. Um, and a lot of them are leaving their parents. Last yeah. year I had 12, uh, Mexican students. I had 14 or 15 students in total, but 12 of them were from Mexico. Mm -hmm. And nine of them were not living with mom and dad. Um, brothers and sisters, aunt and uncle, yeah. um, somebody else. But they had left their parents. Um, so that was that was really hard. I, I try to make them... Get, getting back finally to your question. Yeah. Um, I try to make them feel super comfortable in my classroom. Um, and my classroom has always been kind of home base for a lot of kids. Mm -hmm. So they'll come to my room before school um, and uh, they'll hang out after school. You know, they, uh, I'm the teacher that they'll bring a paper, uh, a letter that they get and say, what's this about? And I'll yeah. open it up and be like, oh, this is, you know, it's either, you know, a ticket that somebody's gotten or, um, you know, like immigration stuff mm -hmm. that they're working on or um, frequently it's like just uh, garbage mail. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, yeah, this can go right here. Let's file this in the, in the trash can. Um, 
So that's that's definitely one thing that I do. Yeah. Um, and to be honest with you, I, I don't always do it well. Um, I, I try, mm-hmm. um, but there are times when I forget. Yeah. You know, I forget that there's a story behind what's going on, mm-hmm. and I'll lose my patience. And then I have a I have a, a horrible story <laughs> about a kid who just had attitude from day one and day yeah. two he was like, I need a pencil, <laughs> and I'm like, um, you don't get to tenth period without, without a, pencil. a pencil. Yeah. Like, and and he just. He just had this terrible attitude, and then a, a pass came for him to leave school. Mm-hmm. And uh, usually, when a pass comes, they either know it's coming, mm-hmm. or it's something that makes me nervous. Like one kid, his grandma had passed away, oh, you gosh. know, yeah, and wasn't expecting it. So um, this kid, he didn't know the pass was coming. I go to hand it to him, and he's like, "What's this?" And I go, "Okay, first you take the pass from my hand." I mean, I was so just frustrated with this kid I get him out in the hall and I start you know like I don't know what your problem is I don't know why you're treating me this way I've never done anything to you and he goes sorry and I went wow like I did not set him up for a sorry yeah I set him up for defensiveness yeah and we start walking down the hall and I find out that his father was his father was deported the day before that's when you go, you've got to pay attention to their stories. Of course. You know? And I knew this was going to happen when I started <laughs> this story. Don't worry. Um, it's okay. So, yeah, you've, you have to pay attention to their stories. Mm-hmm. Because if you're not paying attention to their stories, you, you can't truly teach them in the best way. Yeah. You can't give them all that they need. Mm-hmm. So. That's... Wow. And now I'm going to cry because <laughs> everything you talked about, um, it's, it's, it's the story of like my sister and myself, you know, it's just, I was 18. It, it was hard. Yeah. So, um, and definitely much more privileged than many of our students here because I came here, you know, with the, the big pass, which is like, you know, everything is ready for you to go. You mm-hmm. are legal. You can go my parents took care of that um but but growing up without you know one of my parents was hard and and then my sister was a lot younger it was hard to to acclimate or acculturate Mm -hmm. (laughs) um so hearing you talk about it definitely like hits home there but it also reminds me of so many of our students here um that that that's their story you know it's just we hear it very often, you know, deportation, yeah. um, se- family separation, you know. There's still so many kids without parents in their, in their borders, and some are in yeah. homes, you know, pl- places where there's hundreds of kids, too. Um, and it, it, you, you talk about such a, an important part of being that role model and that adult that can provide a safe space for someone can make the world of difference. And uh, and I really appreciate when you talked about um, acknowledging that it's that for you was a choice, for some of them it's not. Right. And you acknowledge that that difficult um, right. situation. And even if it is a choice, 
You yeah. know, it's a it's a choice made out of out of a situation of danger. Yep. Or you know, um, <clears throat> I have one student right now who who moved up here um, to live with his brother, mm -hmm. and um, and he made the choice. But two years before, his brother was like, move up here. You need to move. It's not safe. And at 13, he was like, no, I'm not. And then he watched things happen around him for two more years. And when his brother went back and said, you need to move up here. You know, I'll, I'll provide you a home. He, he decided to do it. And his parents, you know, yeah. had to, they, they agreed. So it's hard. Yeah. There is actually something really cool um, that you are part of, and that is uh, a project called the the Photo Project, mm -hmm. and um, and Torn. Yes. So can you tell us about this? Yeah. So um, it started uh, three years ago. So this year will be the fourth in the spring um, in 2022 of our our fourth uh, project. The first year was I had a really really difficult class. Mm -hmm. um, my students were um, from, I think I had nine different languages in my classroom, which is not common for me. Common is, you know, almost all Spanish with maybe one or two. But um, they were resettling a lot of refugees here in West Chicago. And so trying to get all of those, um, all of those cultures and students to interact in a in a good and healthy way was mm -hmm. not easy and by friday afternoons i was exhausted yeah so i was like okay we've got to come up with something for these kids to do that's not sitting in the classroom i need to get them out mm -hmm. so um i decided that i would have them use their phones to take photographs and the photographs had to be symbolic of something Thing that had changed in their lives from where they had come from to where they are now okay and so we put together a little book on you know one of those websites where you can just get your book made and um, I got a small grant um, to pay for those and each kid got a page so they had to design their own page they had to write a short paragraph that was the English component and um, put a picture in it a photograph in it and uh, at the end of the year, they all got a copy of their book and they all signed it like they were signing, you know, a yearbook. Yeah. <clears throat> That's often how things happen with me is I get like an idea and I do just kind of like, you know, a, a, a job of like just kind of a mishmash job of yeah. it the first year. And then I'm like, hmm, this this could work. So then I went and um, sought other grants and got money from a few different places and bought cameras because I wanted the kids to take it seriously. Yeah. And when they're taking, you know, selfies with their phones and then you're asking them to take a more serious picture with their phone, it doesn't work so well. So they had to, you know, check out the cameras, take them home mm -hmm. and uh, take pictures. And so the first or the second year, the first year that it was actually a, a legitimate project yeah. was um, the title of it was um, Images of Lost and Found. Um, and it was about, you know, again, same, same kind of idea, yeah. just different title. Um, kids uh, taking pictures of things that were new to them. So, um, so we did that. That was two years ago. So that would have been um, 2020. Mm -hmm. And then we weren't able to display it because of COVID. Yeah. Um, and so last year, uh, the, the theme was torn. Um, 
and it was I it, I think I called it a photography exhibit um, by teens between two worlds, two worlds. Mm-hmm. and uh, those kids did an amazing job too. Yeah. And so I'm not a photography teacher. I've learned a lot along the way. I like taking photographs. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had the photography teacher come in and talk to my students about some of the rules, and um, and so it's been amazing to see how they go from a really, really bad picture with a good idea mm-hmm. to a really good picture. I had one yeah. kid who wanted to take a picture of his watch because his brother gave it to him before he left Mexico. Oh. And so the first picture he took and showed me was his arm with a watch on it. And you could see like the tile in the bathroom <laughs> floor and the trash can. <laughs> And I was like, great idea. Like, love the idea. Let's work on the photograph. Let's, and so he took his jacket, a black jacket off, and sat it um, in a spot in my room and started taking pictures of this watch. And he took 30-some pictures, and I'm flipping through the pictures. And I go, there's your picture. It looks like something out of a magazine. Wow. It's so good. Um, and then they have to write, you know, a short blurb mm-hmm. about the, uh, the picture that they've taken. So, um, I think, um, the other funny thing is as the teacher, I'm going, okay, I need your photograph. I need your paragraph. Okay. Your grammar's not right here. We need to fix this. Mm -hmm. Like, where's that photograph? I need that paragraph over and over. And, um, and then we set it up here at the, at the gallery 200 and, um, those, it, it, it looked professional. Like it looked so good. It looked like it did in my mind. Yeah. And which doesn't always happen. <laughs> and uh, you know, you get an idea in your mind and you're like, this is what it's gonna look like, and it turns out and you're like, no, that no, didn't that's work. That's not what I picture. <laughs> yes. So um the you know, other people would come through and see it, teachers or, you know, other students or um just people from the community. The the comments that I got about it, like I cried my eyes out all the way through it, or I couldn't even get through in one shot. I had to come back and do it, you know, come back a second time. Things like this that I was like, they must have done a really good job Mm -hmm. because that's exactly what I wanted. I wanted people to see the hardships of changing cultures, Mm -hmm. Um, but also some of the joys, right? I mean, you know, because torn means there's good on both sides. Mm-hmm. There's bad on both sides, you right. know? Um, so it, yeah, that's, that's how we did it. That's what we did. And, and I, I feel like I learn as much from them as, as they learned from it themselves. And, yeah. and to be able to provide the community with it was amazing. It sounds like it was such a like fun experience uh, for everybody involved, but also like the end product you know, the, of that hard work, but in the end it's their stories, you know, it's their, their life just in a small, you know, in a a small thing that means the world, you know, and, and really gives that background, that story of, of them and who they are. It's, it's amazing. I, I don't think I ever saw it. I would love to see it. Well, I have the, um, <laughs> it's, it's, and it's not nearly as good, I have to admit, but there's a, um, there's a, like a website mm-hmm. for both of them. There's one for images of lost and found and one for torn for the okay. two years. Um, and of course all the photos are there and the kids' stories are there, but there was something about walking around and looking at the pictures that, you know, I mean, it felt like, I mean, almost like you were in, you know, the, 
the art gallery in in Chicago or something, yeah. art museum. It, it just it had such a professional feel to it, and the kids did such. They were so proud. How did I miss this? <laughs> I missed it totally. That's not cool. <laughs> but like, if if anybody listening has the opportunity to uh, the chance, please check it out. Like, I cannot wait to to see it because I missed it, and it just sounds amazing. I I mean, I'm sad that I didn't get to walk the yeah. <laughs> the exposition, but it, it would it would have been. I don't know if you really have a cool. place on your on your podcast where you can post the. Yeah. But I can give you the two. I don't know them off. One I think is called wegotorn.weebly.com or something like that. Yeah. We go W-E-G-O, torn, all one word. Perfect. If you send me the links, they will be posted in our details section okay. of the podcast. And, you know, anyone can check it out. And I'm honestly very, very intrigued and excited to to see it. But Torn actually received some awards. Is that right? Can you yeah, tell us so more the, about uh, the students... Um, were asked to come to the the school board meeting, mm-hmm. and they each were recognized at the meeting for their work. Um, we actually dragged the um, entire exhibit from the art gallery over to the board meeting one night, and then dragged it back, back. there the next day, um, so that the board and anybody who came to that meeting could, yeah. could you know walk through the exhibit. Um, so yeah, they and I, you know, I wasn't sure the students would show up. Because it's one of those things yeah. where you're just not sure, you know, kids are working at night mm-hmm. or they don't have rides. And I said, if I can get um, just six of you to show up, I'm going to put on a tie. And I'm like, I haven't worn a tie in years. Um, Compromise. Yeah, I didn't even wear a tie to my nephew's like wedding reception like, this past summer. But I, I, I got nine of them to come. So I'm like, all right, I'll put on the tie for you. So um so yeah, they, they just you know they were proud. They should be proud. They did an amazing job. Yeah, you know one thing I I do wanted to to ask you is what do you wish more people understood or knew about young immigrants, more specifically like Mexican immigrants. Mm. One is that they are my students are extremely hard workers. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, and they, they know the importance of working hard to have a future here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of times people don't understand, you know, you hear there's just so much rhetoric out there about um, people not wanting to learn the language yeah. or things like that. And I'm their English teacher. <laughs> I know. Like, they... Um, I'm I'm the teacher in the school besides maybe like the music teachers, you know, like the orchestra, mm-hmm. like, but I'm one of the few teachers in the school who never gets the, why do I have to learn this question? Mm-hmm. Um, they know why they have to learn it and mm-hmm. they want to learn it. Um, and you watch them go like their first year and I compare it to a, like a, a newborn infant being born to the first year of life. Mm-hmm. Like they the only things they can do is cry and suck and poop, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what an infant can do, really. Um, And so learning English is kind of the same way. By the end of that first year of life, they're walking and they're showing their own will and they are speaking some words and they're doing all that. My students are the same way. So they come in and I say, "Uh, what's your name? And they look at me like, 
I can't, I can't say a word. Like, no entiendo. Um, and by the end of that first year, they're writing complete paragraphs. Like, they're writing well. They're speaking. They understand everything I'm saying at a, at a regular pace. Um, and I think there are a lot of people out there that don't understand that or don't yeah. know that. They don't That's know true. that this is what the kids really, really want. And that older people want it too. It's just so much harder to learn a, a second language when you're older. Mm -hmm. But if you go to like night school programs and you see these people there that are, you know, my age or older, you know, senior citizens are sitting in those classes and you just like, it breaks your heart because they want to learn it, but it's just so hard. It is. Um, so I would say that's, that's one of the big things is that don't assume um, that they that that people come here and don't want to learn because they really do the other one is like I said before everybody has a story yeah everyone has a story and you know I have my story and you have your story um, and each one of these kids have their stories and some of their stories are they came up on an airplane mm -hmm. and some of them came up crossing you know a really really difficult crossing the border yeah um and everybody has a story and we need to we need to be quiet enough um and listen enough to know what those stories are yeah i love that be quiet enough and listen you know that's that's so powerful and and i think that it's so important for for people to hear it from you know someone like you who who see these students every day, who interacts with them, and um, how cool to know that they have someone like you they can count on and that will speak up for them. That is incredible, and I, I thank you, you know, for doing that for, for our community, so. Well, again, I just, I feel <laughs> like, you know, I, I, um, I learn as much from them mm -hmm. as they do from me, right? Like, I, I, I think that's just, that's so important. Mm -hmm. um, I, at the end of uh, the blurb in the little booklet that I put together, I wrote, um, I'm their teacher, I teach them English, they teach me so much more. Yeah. Yeah. It is because they, they you know, give you so many life lessons. So in the end, you know, they, they end up giving you so much more than, you know, what we are able to give them. And, and that is the joy of being a teacher is the, is the greatest um, reward of working with you know with with families with children mm -hmm. that you gain so much knowledge and it makes you a better person you know and there's so much to be grateful for in that um, that we are lucky to, to be able to have you know all these kids passing through the classroom through the hallways and mm -hmm. and and just leaving so much of them you know, with us to, to make us better human, human beings. So great. How can we help our young immigrants, um, to, as you mentioned, uh, acculturate? Acculturation is, in my opinion, as we talked about earlier, you mm -hmm. know, becoming 150% of a cultural human being. Yeah. Um, and, um, for my students, um, for some, that's going to be easier. For some, it's going to be harder. Some of it's um, 
maybe trauma. Mm -hmm. Some of it's maybe personality. I mean, there are all different kinds of reasons um, why some people acculturate faster. Um, And then some will, you know, eventually return to Mexico and uh, um, live happily down there. I I know one kid who's um, down there and he's driving a, a big... Uh, a bus like a you know from one city to the other I asked him if he goes to Acapulco if I could get a free ride um, <laughs> but um yeah he's back down there he's got his family down mm-hmm. there he's happy down there which is which is great you know yeah um, but a lot of a lot of most of my students don't most of my students will end up staying here yeah um, again listening to them mm-hmm. is is so important I think just um, helping people where you can. Um, uh, my wife is part of a group called 6,000 Moms, and they, it was started by this woman in Wheaton, and I, I call it the crazy moms group. Like, <laughs> they, they, they put their minds to something, and yeah. they get it done. And they're wow. all about helping um, the immigrant population here, um, asylees, people that are crossing the borders. They're, they're all about how to help them. And um, <clears throat> so um, one of the things they're doing is the, I, one of my students is playing baseball. Mm-hmm. I've never had a baseball player before in my life. And I've got a baseball player. Um, and he's joined a fall league. He was in a summer league. And um, he needs rides. Mm-hmm. His family is working, you know, I mean, as yeah. you know, they work really hard and really long hours. And he needs rides. So this 6,000 Moms group has set up, like, a ride program for him to get to his practices and back again. Oh, my gosh. Um, and these are the kinds of... Um, the kind, like you, you wouldn't necessarily expect these women to be the kinds of women who are that interested in the immigrant issues, you mm-hmm. know. But they are just—I mean—they're just loving on the people around them, and they're, you know, what do they need, and how can we help? Yeah. So I would say that's the biggest one: is helping these, helping kids find. Um, what they really love um and then helping them get there yeah support it yeah it's very important to to give young people not not just immigrants but just young people in Mm -hmm. general opportunities and experiences because that's what gets them to find a passion and right. that passion drives them, you know. Absolutely, so. to be successful. Yes, yes. 100%. Whatever that means for them, success <laughs> yes. means for them, right? Yeah, and that actually brings me to the next question, which is something that that resonated with with me a lot when I was reading through again your your pre recording interview um, that I related to a lot, and not as a as an immigrant myself, but like. Just thinking about like my sister, my young sister, right? Um, it's that the fear of success, not because they can't do it, but just that fear, you, you call that the fear of success um, that you talk about. Can you tell us more about it? Like how, when do you see it or how do you experience that? Yeah, so I mean, you always hear the, the opposite term. Mm-hmm. You hear the fear of failure. People yeah. have the fear of failure. And, um, <clears throat> and that's a really... That's a that's a true fear of many people. You know, they don't want to fail. Um, but a lot of my students uh, 
you know, almost all of my students come from a background where um, their parents, if they finished the high school level, um, that was huge. Mm -hmm. Most of them, a lot of their parents didn't finish the elementary school level. Yeah. Um, And so for them to get to uh, the place of finishing high school is, is huge. But for them to think about going on to college, it, it, it's just more than they can yeah. handle, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't know how, they don't know what they would do with that much success. Mm-hmm. Like, like people would expect me to be a certain way mm-hmm. or um, even would I lose part of who I am if I was that successful? Mm-hmm. Because that's not part of my family culture. And that's not to put anybody down yeah. at all. Like, I look at my students, and their their parents will come into my classroom for parent-teacher conferences, and I say, I have so much respect for you. Mm-hmm. You're working two jobs like, and getting paid minimum wage and all of these kinds of things. Um, and why are you doing it? You're doing it for the sake of your kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, it, it, there's, there is no place in me that would criticize that, um, for them, but it's, it's just that this is what they're seeing at home and they wouldn't know what to do with, uh, you know, a bachelor's or a master's or a doctorate, Mm -hmm. even though I see some of these kids come through my room and I think you could do anything you want it to like you've got just the sheer brain power to do it like some of my students are just brilliant you know um and some are more hands-on and not you know everybody has kind of their different yeah um their different gifts and strengths um but very very few of them do I ever see get beyond a semester or two at um you know at uh the community college level. Yeah. And I think that that is something that needs to, you know, somebody needs to work on, or we all need to work on, you know, as a community and um, to see them go through that and not be scared of it. Like I, the reason why I told you it, like it reminded me of my sister a little bit. My sister was in high school when, when we got here and freshman and uh, she's a doctor and right now I'm so proud of her for all her accomplishments but I can tell you that I I only I know this and obviously whoever is gonna listen to this who knows her she's probably gonna kill me but um, I know the the tears I know the the heartaches and um, that she went through to get there and one of them was fear you know to if I start school here I'm never gonna go back home you know I I'm not going back there because I'm doing my life here and that fear disappeared you know as as the years went by um but I I know that it was it was one of the things that that I saw in her was it was that and I and I will tell her we're here for better opportunities we're here to you know, to learn English, to better ourselves, and and she would just not have it at the beginning. You know, it was mm-hmm. really hard. It got better, but um, like I said, she's 
she's a doctor, but I can totally hear, you know, what you're saying and 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 see it kind of like I'm going back. <laughs> so yeah, you don't want your family, you don't want your <clears throat> your your culture, the people around you, your community, mm -hmm. um, to uh, um, to walk away from you. You know what I mean? Or 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 for them to think you are walking away from them. Yeah. Um, which I think is is part of what it is. And you even see it in the high school sometimes. Like you have that kid who's really serious about their education and uh, other kids will, you know, pick on them. Yeah. And you're just like, the, you, don't, you know, it doesn't mean that they're, mm -hmm. they, they, they're despising anything about the world that they come from. Yeah. It's just that they want to, you know, they believe that they can do more mm -hmm. with what they have. What can you say to the young people who have just arrived here in the United States and are trying to find a new normal? The first thing I would say is um, take your time. Mm -hmm. um, you are going to have to walk through the waves of culture shock. Yeah. And those waves, sometimes they, you know, I mean, the first wave is that honeymoon stage where you get to a new place. And I, I know, and this I really can relate to. When I was first in Mexico, I was like, this place, everything about this place is awesome. <laughs> like, I love the slower pace of life. I yeah. love that, you know, I could sit on the street corner and just meet people and talk to people. You walk into somebody's house and they immediately like hand you a Coke and they have you sit on, you know, the side <laughs> of the bed because they don't have chairs. And they just invite you in as, as you mm -hmm. know, family uh, I was and again anywhere from that re, you know that little one one room house to uh, I met a guy down in Mexico who was living in Bosques de Chapultepec which is like one of the mm -hmm. nicest parts of Mexico City and he found out that I was washing my clothes by hand because I didn't have a washing machine he was like come to my house so I would go to his house every weekend and this was like a multi multi-millionaire yeah who invited me to come to his house. It was like it didn't matter who it was I was always invited in yeah. so um, that was like my honeymoon stage and then I started getting headaches from trying to speak mm -hmm. um, speak Spanish and I was living in a house where the only television was in my bedroom and my head was hurting and I just wanted to go to sleep and the whole family would be sitting in there watching TV and I'd be oh like I'd be like I hate this country like I just <laughs> want to leave it and then of course after you know you you kind of ebb and flow through those this place is great this place is not great until you get to a place where you see that um there's good and not so good mm -hmm. in in every country so i would say to my students be willing to go through those waves mm -hmm. you're gonna hit waves where you think things are great um you know you're making your 13 bucks an hour and you're not having to pay rent because you're a kid um and you can buy all kinds of stuff that you wouldn't have been able to buy yeah um and then there are the waves of i hate it here like mm -hmm. i just want to go back to my home mm -hmm. where um i was allowed to one of my students big complaints is they're not allowed out like people like whoever it is their guardians um are afraid of them being out on the streets or whatever whereas in mexico they could walk down to the corner store and mm -hmm. hang out on the street with their friends and um so 
so they're going to ebb and flow through that and it then that's okay yeah um and just to know that you will get to a place of equilibrium you will get to a place of 150 percent culture yeah you know? <laughs> um that's a big one um learning the language is hard i mean i often say to my students like something like red is a perfect example we have red and then we have read, mm -hmm. R-E-A-D, and then we have read, which is the past tense of read, but it's spelled R-E-A-D. Yeah. So it's like, what? and I'll say to my students, why, you know, why do we do this in English? And they're all waiting for some great answer. And I go, para confundir los paisas que vienen a los Estados Unidos. <laughs> and they're just like, Mr. Poulter. I'm like, I'm really sorry. I don't know why. I mean, it's, it, it, there is no good answer. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yes. Oh. Uh, yeah. You want to translate? You, you yeah. Para confundir los países. <laughs> to confuse the the the, oh. the countrymen is yeah. the mm -hmm. actual term, but mm -hmm. you know the the Mexicans, paisanos. the paisanos. Yeah. The, yeah. Um, to confuse the country, the countrymen from Mexico who <laughs> have come here to learn English. Like there is no good answer for why we do it. Yeah. Um, our language is extremely difficult. It is. Um, in that way and in other ways too. Yeah. Like past tense, super easy. You guys have like nine different mm -hmm. forms of past tense. We got one. <laughs> you just stick an ED on the end. Except for that the 40% the the of words. them are irregular. <laughs> yeah. So you just got to memorize them. Those are hard. <laughs> I got to say, those were yeah. probably my heart, the hardest for me to, yeah. to learn. But. Yeah. So I've said to them, you know, how do you learn the past tense? Well, there are two options. You memorize or you just wait until you just hear it enough and it just starts coming. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, you know, just be easy on yourself. Mm -hmm. Don't, um, don't take yourself too seriously. And my kids frequently don't they're what we call life celebrators they just you know they're they're really good yeah um and their resiliency is is you know yeah. just amazing so but as you're going through those hard times know that you will get through them mm -hmm. um, and you will come out on the other side and you do you, and do. you do you do i i have to say i living proof and and you know as as i as i said my my sister too which i should I should say that she's not a doctor. She earned her doctorate degree because she will not be She'll happy with me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it happens and it does get better. It, I always tell people, if I can tell you something is be patient, it gets better. I promise. So, yeah. all right. And we are almost at the end of our conversation today. But I, I heard that your, your daughter was part of our mariachi program, is the one at Lehman. Yes, so she was uh, in the orchestra at Lehman, and uh, as a sixth grader, uh, the mariachi program was just starting. It was the mm -hmm. first year for mariachi, and she came home, and she said, I want to be part of the mariachi band, and my wife and I were both kind of, like, <laughs> confused, <laughs> um, and we were like, okay, and so she joined the mariachi band, and she was in it for three years. She started singing in Spanish. Now, my daughter's not, you know, she speaks Portuguese because my wife is Brazilian and, yeah. and English, but Spanish was not a language that she had, um, but she was singing songs in Spanish. She was actually singing solos in Spanish, <laughs> um, playing the violin in the band, and um, it wasn't until, like, a couple years later when she was in the high school that she was like, I had no idea what mariachi was. <laughs> 
like I just heard about it and I was like anything music she wanted to be a part of it yeah so she joined it and she just stuck it out and loved it but <laughs> it was not it was not because she knew what yeah. my was when she was joining but the, how cool is that that you know you knew and you know then your daughter comes and tells you that that's super exciting and I I just love that you know we have this we're embracing you know this other people other cultures and um just like bring bring back all those those bringing those programs in to absolutely the middle know, school has done yeah. an amazing job of that they have they have and I have to say miss mrs sigma and you know everybody involved at the at the middle school and the music programs definitely you know yeah, yeah. that's awesome Well, thank you so much again for for being with us today. Thank thank you for taking the time because I know you're you're busy with your home life, your work life, and uh, also thank you to your family that support you and you know are also out there helping your wife with this mom's group. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she puts so. up with so much with me too. I'm like. I need to do this or I need to do that. And you're going to be a single mom again tonight. I told her today, Monday, you're going to be a single mom. She's like, okay. Well, But I'm she sorry. totally puts up with it. <laughs> oh, sorry. you're just one of three things today. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry for a third of that. <laughs> But thank you so much. And, and you know, again, to to your family, I, I know that people say when you, you, when you, Um, marry a teacher you marry the classroom too you yeah. know and everything that comes with with it because teachers do so much outside of their classroom and incredible thank you thank you so much Alright friends, this was all for today. We had a great conversation with Mr. Poulter. His activism and dedication to his students has inspired me and I hope it has inspired you. Check out our details section to learn more about the photo project and don't forget to share and subscribe. Hasta la próxima.